You're in the information age, but facts are in short supply. Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth with FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend. This is the American Radicals Podcast. It is the American Radicals Podcast, and welcome to it on Saturday. Saturday is our big day, everyone. It's February 10th. 2024 high noon on the eastern seaboard where i am sunny 72 degrees florida feel bad for you guys in the chat on rumble some of you in the midwest shoveling out snow uh i don't know i used to do it i've moved on i only do shirt sleeves now for those watching on rumble and you can watch us on rumble rumble.com slash amradpod for the american radicals podcast noontime eastern every tuesday Thursday and Saturday. If you listen to the podcast, we're on all the different streaming services, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, all of them. Make sure you, you subscribe there. If you're watching over on Twitter, where we should be streaming on my handle, at Real Steve Friend, at Garrett's handle, at G-O-B Actual, and the show's handle, at Pod. You can enjoy it there, but hop on over to Rumble, hop, hop in the chat with us. It is live and lively. Today, it is Saturday, heading into the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl weekend, so we came up with a theme here. Garrett actually did, and uh, we're going to cover down on some history and some recent history and then some things that are going on currently, all pertaining to we've been sort of circling around this DEI wokeness that we're seeing in the culture, and this is going to be sort of a football-themed focus. Um, and before we get to that, let's bring on the man himself who the originated the idea, Garrett O'Boyle, G-O-B Actual. Feeling any better today, my friend? Not much, to be honest. I think my cough is actually worse, so uh, I may be frequently muting myself to hack up like 17 lungs. But um, yeah, I don't know. After Thursday's show, I kind of reverted, and I don't know if the fever came back or what, but that night I had the chills super bad, and I'm like in bed with extra blankets, wearing a hoodie, and I'm just like, oh, why? Why am I still sick? But hey, whatever. We'll uh, we'll get through it. I haven't died yet, and I don't plan on it anytime soon. Are you just personal question? Are you going to be watching? Well, it, we're we're on Rumble, so it's free speech. Are you going to be watching the Super Bowl? I don't have to say the big game. Yeah. Are you going to be watching the Super Bowl <laughs> tomorrow evening? I uh, yeah, I plan to. Um, at, at least everything except for the halftime show. <laughs> I, I you know I I've I've assessed it, and you know they're they're going to be doing the the fake black national anthem have ending racism posted all over the field. It'll be one team from the wokest city in America against another team who has the spokesperson for Pfizer vaccines. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to eject. I think I'll just watch some like old rugby games and try to learn the rules to that. Hey, you know what? The, the, the Six Nations is in full swing now. I think, oh, let's see. It's 11 a.m. my time. Yeah, I think the, the latest three games are in the book, so I have those t-vote or whatever it's called these days and maybe maybe i'll watch those instead yeah yeah i might, might have to join you on that uh well we're gonna get to the topic today that the, the name of the show is chief concern um just just because it made me laugh a little bit and uh something else that makes me laugh that i'm gonna get started on today is a, is a clip that uh, I, I think is probably appropriate for the subject matter at hand and uh, we will start that off right now <laughs> who is it it's jerry Jerry! Surprise! <laughs> what is this? Wow, 
I felt bad about this afternoon, so I got you something. Oh, you did? Uh, do, do, do you guys all know Jerry? Hi, Jerry. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Winona. <laughs> See you again. Elaine, is it your birthday? No. I don't need a reason to give gifts. It's my nature. I love to make people happy. Oh, Are you ready? Yeah. Ta-da! It's a cigar store Indian. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Read it out loud. I, I don't think so. We had a little fight this afternoon. Let's bury the hatchet. We smoke them peace pie. You know, it's late. I really should go. I uh, I don't blame you, Winona. I don't... Hey, uh, who are you? It's, it's, it's kitschy. Winona is a Native American. <laughs> All right, Carrot. Oh, don't laugh at that or you're going to get canceled. They're coming for Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> as we speak because of that, I don't know, 25, 35-year-old clip. It, yeah, it's probably at this point that was going on in the mid-90s. And you know, you think it, it's, it, you won't want to lose the joke because you explain why the joke is so funny. But we could go back and forth on, you know, oh, you couldn't do that today. Um, but it's funny. It just is because it's so over uh, over the top and absurd and offensive. And the the premise of, you know, this is how the, the white people are talking behind everybody's backs yeah. and they're just being way over the top. And the, the assumption is that everybody does it to everybody. It's it's not um, intending to harm. And right. there's a reason that it was on a situational comedy on national TV. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was. You know, they. Ha I know it's a laugh track, but everybody's laughing. There's a reason that show was the number one show for, I don't even know how long, but a long, long time. And why it still resonates today. I mean, I was like a child when my parents would watch Seinfeld. And I love it. I love Seinfeld still to this day because, like, it's, it's, they covered so, covered down on so many aspects of life. And they do it in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, that is funny. And guess what? It's okay to laugh at because it's funny. It doesn't mean you're a racist and that you hate Indians or you hate blacks or you hate Jews or you hate you hate whoever. Like, it's just funny. And I think of, um, like, my time in the military especially, we railed on each other so hard for skin color, accent, where you were born, where you're from. We loved each other more than anybody. but people from the outside would be like oh my gosh those guys must all hate each other and it's like that couldn't be further from the truth like that's just i don't know it, it gets me riled up because of this fake outrage on behalf of others like one don't don't even get outraged on behalf of yourself like just grow up and two it's funny laugh just laugh i think you touched on something interesting there that people get outraged on the behalf of others more than they get outraged on behalf of, of themselves, which is what we're going to talk about today. The history lesson of today is going to be how the, the emblem, the, the logo, the mascot for the Washington Redskins, the, all the, all the arguing over it really didn't come from native Americans or from Indian American Indians. Right. I don't, I don't know what my latest term is for that. Uh, <laughs> it was the most dangerous, person in america it's a liberal white woman who was yep. the most angry about it 
and uh, and there was an interesting article you brought to my attention earlier this week, and I thought it was appropriate to to get into it today for the the history component that we want to cover down on on the American Radicals podcast. Uh, and Fox News did a pretty good job of researching who actually is in that logo, who 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 was being represented by that image and by that mascot. Uh, and it's a pretty good story, and I think it's worth sharing with the audience, just so you know how much of really was it was pretty tragic the fact that the the woke mafia came in and leaned on that football team and made them change their name to the Commanders. Now, I mean, can you get any more generic than that? I guess right. You could be the Guardians from Indy for the uh, Cleveland baseball team, like the yeah. the most boring thing ever. Or I, I guess we should just start doing the colors, be like the Browns against the Reds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? That's like a, it's kind of like an idiocracy joke right there because like that's where we're headed most likely. These just these fake names. Like think of think of the Redskins versus the Commanders. Think of that iconic logo versus the yellow W that they have on their helmet now. Like who wants that? Give me a break, dude. Like it just ah, uh, it's just <laughs> it's just so maddening because or like I think of even. Um, well, let's let's think of our alma maters. I went to Marquette. You went to Notre Dame. Marquette used to be the Warriors. That name got canceled. I don't know in the '90s, maybe. And really? so now they're the Golden Eagles, and they've been the Golden Eagles ever since. And like there are old like old timers who who's like have signs that say like "Forever Warriors," and it, you know it. You cancel these strong, powerful names that, if anything, are an homage to native american history and are like hey look at how how awesome and badass these these tribes were warriors redskins uh indians like it it's you know there's always the analogy of sports is like combat or war we're gonna face them on the battlefield like i don't really buy into that after actually uh having served on actual battlefields but like i get it and so you have a mascot and you have a name that you that wants to invoke fear into your quote unquote enemy, you know, your rival team. And commanders doesn't do it for me. Like one, what where are you commanding? Or are you on a ship and you're the commander of it? Or like, I don't get it. But or, or, or what I was gonna say about Notre Dame, like my last name's O'Boyle. Your mascot was the fighting Irish. I think that needs to be canceled because oh, how offensive. Irish people get drunk and fight. But no, it's like it's part of irish history like that just is what it is and so they got you know the gangly looking irish man with his fist with his fist up <laughs> it's a <laughs> leprechaun <laughs> and and look it now, now we're in a sidetrack uh it's a university that was founded by french priests the actual name of the university is notre dame du lac which means our lady of the lake uh, they were walking across the country and they got snowed in in northern Indiana. They were hoping to get to the West Coast, but they thought, ah, we've gone far enough. We'll plant down here because winter probably is never going to come again and we'll start a university. Uh, but because the two lakes that they have were frozen over, they thought that it was one lake. That's why it says Our Lady of the Lake as opposed to two lakes. Oh. So mistaken university name. And then the it's debated, but the general consensus of where Notre Dame came up with the Fighting Irish was a lot of Catholics, a lot of Irish Catholics went to the university. And then there were some um, some white supremacists or somebody who were like coming to attack them. And the university kids like came down and like fought them off. Oh. So that was they were defending their university. They were a bunch of fighting Irishmen who protected the university. So oh, I, I think that. that's a pretty cool story yeah. that they could have in their heritage. It's not 
a, an insult to the uh, the Irish nation, uh, which interestingly enough, Notre Dame plays annually in Ireland, and it's like a big giant sellout because the Irish population over there loves the university because of the because of the mascot. So, right. uh, but back to the topic at hand, where the Redskins are now, you know, the team formerly known as the Redskins. And this is an article. Um, I'll bring it up, and uh, it was uh, written in Fox. It's canceled tribal chief White Calf. Face of the Redskins generates new support nationwide, and is a it's a history about uh, about this this chief. And we'll we'll read some portions of it and then and reflect on it as we do, Garrett. And then actually uh, have this overlay where we will talk about in very clearly a uh, a representation of Chief. Uh, two, his name was John Two Guns Whitecalf. So for those listening on the uh, audio portion, that's the Washington Redskins logo next to uh, the the Chief's actual portrait. So you can see the the resemblance there. And celebrated Blackfeet Chief to John Two Guns Whitecalf was sacrificed on the altar of cancel culture. Whitecalf was the face of the NFL's Washington Redskins for 48 years. Before receiving that honor, he was one of the most famous Native Americans of the 20th century. He was born near Fort Benton, Montana in 1872. He was a son of White Calf, chief of the Bakuni Blackfoot. He achieved international acclaim by fighting to preserve Native American culture. He championed Native issues in Washington, D.C., rubbing elbows with President Calvin Coolidge and appeared to bridge cultures long at odds. White Calf was, according to multiple sources, the inspiration for the face that appeared on the U.S. Mint's famous 1913 Indian head nickel. So he's got his uh, emblem on football and actually on money. Whitecalf was so prominent in the United States that his death in 1934 earned a New York Times obituary. And a tribute noted that he helped make President Coolidge an honorary chief of the same Blackfeet tribe. So sounds like a, a pretty good story there, Garrett. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you think about just a little bit you got into right there this guy was quite likely one of the last great native american chiefs i know it was an honorary title for him there at the end but in in actuality if you think of native american history if you think of their downfall or their demise or what european invaders did to them like it didn't take long for them to be just a shell of of the great society the great warrior type tribes that they were. And then he comes along and is so prominent, such a great leader, such a historical force that he gets put on money. He gets, he gets, you know, put into the logo of the Redskins. 19, by 1934, there were not, there were pretty much no prominent Native American chiefs or, or like warriors or anybody left. Like they were all, they, they, you know, they had been cold and for America to honor him like that. And then fast forward just a few decades to basically strip that honor in, in the name, in the false name of woke ideology. It's like you're actually doing a disservice to him and to other Native Americans. Like in another few decades, no one's going to remember anything about him or the tribe or anything. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, the commanders, it, they've been the commanders my whole life. What do you mean? The Redskins? So uh, he's he's dead and gone. Nineteen thirty-four. He's not actually on the football team. I don't even know if they're playing football in the NFL. The NFL might not have been a thing. I'd have to check my history. In nineteen thirty-four, it might not have been a league at that point. I don't believe they were. Um, 
So if you go back to the article and go back to the history of it, it goes into the 1970s and the Redskins were looking for a new Native American icon to represent the team. The image of white calf was championed by a Blackfeet tribe leader. And this guy's name was Walter Blackie Wetzel. So his last name is Wetzel. And the Redskins stepped out of the field with a portrait of Chief Whitecap on the team. Helmets for the first time in 1972. The proud and prominent face of Whitecap enjoyed widespread support and input from Native communities across the country, even an organization that is called the National Congress of American Indians, NCAI, for a time appeared to be among those who favored this icon. Wetzel, who advocated for the... Uh, for Chief Whitecalf to be on the helmets, uh, was the president of that organization at the NCAI for about four years before this organization changed its priorities. And this is where it takes a turn here. Uh, let me get to that, and then I'll get your thoughts on it, Garrett. The newer woke NCAI elevated its assault on Native American images in 2013. So now we're way, you know, it's 80 years after the death of Chief mm -hmm. Whitecalf. It is all woke all the time, and this organization has changed its priorities, and they published a report called Ending the Legacy of Racism in Sports and the Era of Harmful Indian Sports Mascots. The dissertation included a uh, like 4,000-word history of the Redskins and its legacy of racism, uh, but it never actually mentioned Chief Two Guns White Calf in the entire dissertation. It's about the Redskins, and they don't actually talk about who the picture of is on the helmet of the of the Redskins. Well, why would we do that? We have an agenda. We can't let the truth get in the way of our agenda. They cited a study uh, about how the emblem on the white on the Redskins helmet was hurting Native American self esteem, and it was based on a study of seventy one children in Arizona from two thousand and four. And the Redskins then erased the image of White Cap from the NFL seven years later, so about twenty twenty. And uh, he's now been sort of lost to history. Yeah. I mean, think of actually the big shame of this. Like, this is a shame that, that one, how woke they've become, how their agenda really flipped on its head in just a few decades. And then how, how they are working, they're actively working to destroy this awesome legacy. Like, it... Oh man, it, it's like so many things we talk about. It's pretty much like everything regarding DEI that the truth of the matter is is the opposite of what they claim they're doing. And this is another case of that. You you have the like it just it's it's almost um dumbfounding because of how really how how insidious it is. And like I really the title of of uh what they published in 2013 Ending the legacy of racism in sports and the era of harmful Indian sports mascots. One, your your title is way too long. Two, <laughs> <laughs> two, like what legacy of racism? When you just went through the little bit of history, it was actually the opposite of racism as to why he became an iconic sports um, mascot. And. It Go ahead. In in your effort to, uh, I mean, if, if if you take them on their face and they they want to promote their race or their 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 culture and their history, um, in their effort to do that, it's so misguided that they are actually erasing 
the history that is worth noting. This yeah. is a significant person who had a significant impact on some fairly significant people. I mean, he was, they said, rubbing elbows with the president of the United States. And, and there was this push in the early, uh, in, during the Harding administration into the Coolidge administration where they were uh, extending the, the hand and, and connecting with uh, all these Native American tribes as uh, throughout the country. And Chief Whitecalf was part of that. But right. because you have somehow summoned, uh, I don't know, offense, but the fact that they put his picture, which is on U.S. minted currency, uh, are, and that offended, I don't know, the Karen who was running this NCAI, and now you're going to erase it because, like you said earlier, Garrett, there's going to come a time in the not-too-distant future where we're just going to assume, well, they've always been the commanders. No, no, no research on that. I mean, I kind of, I'm a nerd. I kind of go down the history of like, well, how these teams actually get these names? And some of them are pretty cool stories. I mean, right. we mentioned the colors before and I was like, how did the Browns become the Browns? And I was like, oh, Paul Brown. He was the, the first coach. So I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. It's not, not the color that matter, but I mean, they, all these teams have this stuff on there, but what's going to prompt you to look up commander. It's just such a yeah. generic, so generic, like, like it honestly, it's the whitest name you could pick. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> like you're gonna go from Redskins to Commander. Like yeah. it, it. It's just so. And I know why they picked it. They picked the whitest name they could pick on purpose because it's like, well, we don't want to risk offending anybody. And it's like, who's offended? Who's actually offended by this? Nobody. Like Redskin fans. When like if if you remember, and this is just a few years ago. If people remember, if they follow football at all, like. Redskin fans were not happy about this. And it's not because they hate Native Americans. Like, how, how, like, it just is, it hurts my brain because people put so much effort into something like this. Like, uh, you're, you're, um, being racist to Native Americans. And so we're going to force you to change your name. And it's like, you st again, stop being outraged on behalf of others, Karen. Like, don't you have better things to worry about? And two, who's actually offended? Show me the people, how many of them there are. And let's actually have an open discussion about this because I bet you most people, if they actually looked at the history of this, would be like, that's pretty sweet. And it's 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 actually an homage to our heritage. So maybe let's keep the cool name and the cool mascot. And uh, let's use this as an opportunity to actually promote important Native American history. Because that's where this started. But look where it has ended. It hasn't ended with that. It has ended with just, you know, they talk about whitewashing history. This is how history is actually whitewashed. This is um, they're, they're, this is based on two presumptions, two assumptions. And one is that, well, obviously you are racist. Everything you do is racist because, I don't know, reasons. And then yeah. secondly, we're going to get offended for the people who are being victimized by your racism because they're too dumb to know you're doing it, which is why they're celebrating that fact, why they're yeah. proud of the fact that their culture is being represented on your football helmet. They're, you know, they're kind of dumb. You know how it is. Yeah. It's, it's obviously a racist statement from there. Somebody's got to take care of them. So it better be yeah. me, the great white savior, to swoop the in and say, soft you bigotry. The soft bigotry of low expectations, right? That's what uh -huh. actually George W. Bush called it. Um, and I, I always joked when they were debating it, and I lost a lot of respect for uh, the Washington football team at the point when they, they finally caved. That, that team's been a dumpster fire for years and years. Back in the day when I did watch football, they were always just 
having problems. They'd spend all this money and never be any good. <laughs> and, and everybody always attacked that owner. And I was like, hey, he's kind of a baller, right? Like he just has this, this thick spine. And he's like, I don't care. I like the name. And then I thought, man, if you installed me as that team president and owner, I would say, all right, we're changing our team name. We're going to be respectful. We actually want to be vegan as well. So we're going to be the Redskin Potatoes. <laughs> and you can call us the Redskins for short. And then I would just walk out of the press conference. That would have been epic. That would have been epic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what's your mascot going to be? Well, it's going to be a Native American uh, warrior who, you know, when they're not out waging war or hunting, they're uh, harvesting redskin <laughs> potatoes. So <laughs> I just would have had a you know, just giant like potato on the helmet and just <laughs> whatever. Um, all right. Let's, we can move on to the next topic we got here, which is a little bit more recent than Chief Whitecap. But before we do that, uh, let's uh, let's thank the sponsor for the show. And that that is uh, True Earth. TrueEarth.co. Make sure that you are giving them a visit. Garrett's under the weather. Maybe he wouldn't be under the weather so much if he had been up on his lion's mane. I've stayed up on that, um, as well as the mushroom complex that they have there. Those things are good for your... Uh, immune system studies have shown that that is true as well as anti-inflammatory that I'm still on the turmeric regimen. It's helped me a lot. I was just talking and reflecting to my wife about the fact that man, my, my ankle pain that I've always been suffering from would just stop me from going and playing football on the street with my kids. I would just be like, Oh, I'll be all time quarterback. I don't want to move. I don't have the mobility. Uh, but now I do now, uh, it just really quickly hit me within a few weeks of, of starting the regiment. So I encourage everyone to go there. You can go to trueearth.co, see what they have available. When you do, use the promotion code AMRAD24, and you will get 10% off everything store-wide. And if you spend over $80, then you get free shipping. So uh, take advantage of that. It's an American company. Everything made in the good old USA, trueearth.co. All right, Garrett, second story of the day. Um, and this is relevant to this football season. This was a story that came out uh, and they, they kind of bashed this kid. And now the kid's family is responding in kind, which I know you were excited about and happy about, as was I. We'll bring it up. Family of a young Kansas City Chiefs fan, Suze Deadspin. Uh, let me pull up an image here and you can kind of give us the background, Garrett, of what actually happened with the story. And then we can read into this article, which is from the Daily Caller. Here is the image, folks. For those who are unaware, uh, Garrett, why don't you try to sort of narrate for the audio and then uh, fill us in the background. Yeah, so this went down while I was living in Kansas, uh, assigned to the Kansas City field office. So um, unlike my home state of Wisconsin, where everything is Green Bay Packers all the time down there, it's uh, Kansas City Chiefs all the time. So this kid, as you can see, if you're watching, half his face is painted red. The other half is painted black. and I forget if this was last year. It was last year or the year before. I, I don't quite remember exactly now. But um, Deadspin, this quote-unquote journalist at Deadspin, took this picture that we have up, or a picture of this kid, not this exact one, because he uh, he must have went and and like found you know like a like a an image during the broadcast where only the black part of this kid's face was showing, and he basically cropped that photo. And, and said, look at this racist white kid. He's wearing blackface at the, in the, at, the, at the Chiefs game, and he's dressed like an Indian. He's got the headdress on. He's got the blackface on. He's a white little racist, and he's, raised, he's been raised to be a white little racist. Which, of course, that couldn't be further from the truth. He's, I think he was nine 
when this happened. So he's at a Chiefs game wearing a Chiefs jersey, wearing red and black paint, which is two of their colors, and it's common, it's common, you know, garb and attire at these games. And he's wearing the Chiefs headdress, which also is common attire at these games. And so this deadspin quote unquote journalist took this picture and ends up writing an entire story about how racist this kid is. And eventually, like the family's like, hey, that's not true. Uh, you know, you're kind of ruining our, our son's life. He's not a racist. By the way, we actually have some Native American heritage in, in our family. So he even has Native American DNA. If anything, he's he's honoring um his heritage and he's uh cheering for his favorite football team. So that's all that's actually going on here. And Deadspin, they they wouldn't publish um the correct uh, updates to the story at the family's behest. So the family said, okay, well, we're going to sue you. And hopefully they sue them into oblivion and out of, um, sue them, you know, off the face of the earth is what I hope. Yes. And I mean, there's, this is not the first time that this has happened and it's completely inappropriate, especially when you consider the fact that this, he's a child, right? And they're making a presumption. Did they call him for a comment? Did they try to reach out? No, I mean, it was the same thing that happened, you know, with, or not the same thing, but very similar to me. I was, it was reminiscent of, uh, do you remember it was a college game day thing where the, the guy was trying to like Venmo money. He's like, Hey, give me Venmo money, beer money. And all these people gave money because they thought it was funny. It was on national TV. And uh -huh, he, he raised yeah. like all this money and he gave it to the children's hospital. He was from Iowa. So they had the children's hospital that's across the street from the uh, Iowa Hawkeye Stadium. And he gave it all to that. And then what did the newspaper do? They looked into his background and he, I guess he said something controversial like when he was a teenager and they just destroyed his life over it. Yeah, and they said, oh, it was, a, it was a routine background check that we came up with. Sure. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you didn't just go dig as deep as you could. Yeah. But hey, so, you know what? That's evil for him to do. But hey, if Justin Trudeau wears blackface, just forget about it because, you know, he's part of a the woke ideology that wants to turn the world into a one world order. That's okay. If, well, if he's our guy. Well, or is it uh Ralph Northam? We, we don't know if he was in blackface or the KKK. He can't remember. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I love that. So, so regularly. Uh, I can't remember. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so this, this, this article here, and I think that that picture uh, for those watching here on uh, AMRAD, the American radicals podcast, on Rumble, rumble.com slash amradpod. The, the picture for this article from Daily Caller shows what you were describing, Garrett. Other people wear the chief headdress and they paint their faces and they're they're having a good time at their football game here. And I want to read the story because it's sort of updated on the status of this lawsuit. And it says the, the family is suing the outlet, which is Deadspin, for its alleged race-drenched political agenda over the article alleging that the this this little boy found a way to hate black people and native americans at the same time the complaint clarified that uh that he did not wear the blackface pointing out that the boy neither knows what blackface is nor wore the face print or headdress to symbolize racism because i he's love just that right there <laughs> he doesn't know what it is i don't even know what blackface is <laughs> like come on he shouldn't i mean i know i, I, I kind of chuckle because my my both my boys they're and you're similar age with your kids are mine are nine and six and whenever they have uh a um a f interaction with somebody who's a different race they describe them how they look they're like oh yeah that that brown guy over there because they don't know the actual, you know, the, the, sensor, the census term is that that's a black male over there. 
they have no concept of race. Right. It's completely it's nature versus nurture. Our, our nature is not to be racist. It's just it, we're, it's essentially nurtured into this, or we're we're yeah. sort of socialized into having these issues with um, with other, between the races. Yeah. Um, well, Kyle's been playing um, this clip of Morgan Freeman a little bit this month, where Morgan Freeman is like, I mean, he's a professional, so he's keeping his cool, kind of. But he's pissed. Like you could tell he's pissed. And he's like, how about you just stop calling me a black man and I'll stop calling you a white man. And it's like, exactly. Like, this is how, this is how I was raised. I'm assuming that's how you were raised, like to be colorblind. And and now today, fast forward a couple decades from our youth and it's, oh, well, if you claim to be colorblind, well, then you're a racist. And it's like, actually, no, we're not. Our generation, and I would say the gen the generation, the next couple generations after us, are even less there or they're even more colorblind than we were. And it's like, that's actually a step forward. And that's a good thing. But man, dude, these, these evildoers, they just twist it all to try to self-serve their agenda. And uh, it, I mean, you guys can all probably tell I, I'm a little fired up about all this today. It just, it just makes me so mad because it's just the opposite of the truth. I didn't see the movie. It was one of these Jordan Peele movies that he did that was really uh -huh. well received. And I, I think that the, the, the quote in it that everybody took away was it was these like really waspy, very liberal northern northeastern elites, white people that were interacting with this black people. And they kept saying they kept insisting, you know, I would have voted for Obama a third time. You know, I would have voted for Obama a third time. And just how they're trying to just prove that they weren't racist. And that was that was essentially what they're doing. They're That's how you do it. <laughs> um, finished out this one on a, the, uh, the Daily Caller article. It says, and I, I think it's spot on. The suit alleges that Deadspin knew the boy did not wear blackface, but decided to write an article viciously race baiting a young boy to generate clicks. The boy's parents threatened to sue Deadspin and its owner unless the outlet immediately retracted the story. The outlet instead included an editor's note stating the article focused on the NFL's failure to extend anti-racist rules across the entire league. So they're saying that we used your kid's picture as a hook to criticize the NFL <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the NFL's logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Not a good man. defense. I think that they are... Uh, they're going to be arguing on the losing side, hopefully here. What was the, was it Gawker who went after uh, Hulk Hogan? And then uh, they, they got sued basically into oblivion for it. I, I hope that this kind of follows the, the, same, yeah, the same route. For sure. And like, if you think about this too, just from, from a, just from like a reasonable perspective, like I think of my life, I think of the people I've encountered all over, you know, not necessarily just in Wisconsin, which, not for nothing is a liberal state. Like this is a blue state. It's ceded territory. But even here, I don't encounter these people who have a problem with the Redskins or who have a problem with a nine-year-old uh, dressing up to cheer for the Chiefs. Like these people don't exist in real life. They are a small fringe minority who come up with these ideas and write these articles. And quite frankly, they should be sued into oblivion. Like this journalist and Deadspin, they should be out of work forever because they 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 ruined this kid's life or at least the last you know handful of years and putting his family through all this. Like they should be ruined for this. And it, to me, it's no different than than Bud Light. Which what did Putin call Bud Light uh, in the Tucker interview? Um, <laughs> 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 I don't. 
gay piss. Like gay piss, yeah. <laughs> so this should be this is no different than gay piss. This is no different than Target. Like, cancel them all. And like I know people, well, that's not that's not how, how we do it. That's not that's that's not how conservatives do it. Well, we, we need to change our tactics then because that's how this type of stuff starts to set uh like footholds is because nobody's really fighting back. You have to fight back. And hopefully his family like wins big time. And like honestly, I hope Deadspin goes out of business over this. They should. It, when you contrast the two sides of the political spectrum, I think you're spot on where where one side is willing to destroy a nine-year-old. Um and then the other side is like, well, I think Bud Light's had a tough enough time. We should probably just lay off. And if you're not all in on the fight, it's pretty, pretty easy. I've had this discussion before. The guy in the, the mono e mono who embraces the fight first is the most likely to win. And one side is kind of like dipping a toe into the water, and the other side's like, let's do this and ripping yeah. your shirt off. Right. It's it's an asymmetrical battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm and, hitting you as hard as I can, as as soon as I can. Like that's the person who's going to win typically agreed and and you also said that they went after this kid and, and tried to ruin his life right um yeah. and which is i think a pretty good transition for us for our next story for a guy whose life was for a time at least completely ruined i think he's been made whole by the uh by some lawfare but we want to highlight to there's a recent um op-ed that he that he authored and we'll get to that in a second we want to make sure that we uh we plug the merch store though first garrett you said you're a little behind that's okay understood under the uh under the weather here yeah uh, it's been uh, a rough a rough go but yeah a little bit behind still i think i said it the other day if you've ordered in like the last two weeks or so like um sorry i haven't got your order out to you yet but hopefully i'll catch up soon but by all means keep ordering um can't ever uh have too many orders in the hole because it, it keeps us going so so yeah you know the dash suspendables.com if you want to get a t-shirt if you want to get a lapel pin uh i saw somebody mention in the chat canine heinrich i think about um the hat i'm wearing being out of stock out of stock and yeah they are sorry i went through about a hundred of these roughly and we'll bring we'll bring back a hat at some point maybe with a different patch um but uh, just just not yet. You know, we're kind of rejiggering things. And you've heard us mention before, trying to work through some of the current uh, designs to, to bring some new ones out there. So by all means, you know, keep us going, help us run out of stock and and uh, yeah, get you some get you some suspendables merch. Yeah. And that is the uh, the Rumble rant from K9 Heinrich. Friend in a boil, my favorite space week after week. I remain jealous of not being able to buy GeoBase out of stock cap. God bless you and your family. Yeah, K9, we'll, we'll have to come up with something here. Or maybe some new spring design will be uh, on the merch store here once the, the inventory runs low. Um, so we will uh, we'll transition to the, uh, the last story that I think is worth devoting a good chunk of time to. And uh, I will throw up the picture here on the American Radicals podcast for those on Rumble so you can see it. Uh, it is rumble.com slash amradpod. Make sure you give us a like and a follow the show. If you choose to subscribe, it's it's $5. Just goes to support the show. A uh, number of you have already done that, and we're really, really grateful for that. It's it's always awesome to, to see that number tick up and know that we're impacting your guys' life. We're bringing you something that, that you appreciate, uh, which it's fun. I mean, we're 
we're kind of just got this fledgling podcast thing going, but I, I reflect on, I'm like, I just get to talk to my buddy and, and people appreciate sort of being the fly on the wall, which is, is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's weird, but it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so here's the picture for our final story. This is Nick Sandman, Nicholas Sandman. This was a story that uh, took the the world by storm. This is from the, the March for Life during the, the Trump administration. It was a story that caught wildfire amongst American media. And this young man who was in high school at the time was completely misrepresented and painted as this vicious, vile racist who was anti-black and anti-Native American. And it was all completely, again, out of context. It was a, a picture taken of him where he was just sitting there smiling awkwardly as an old man was banging a drum in his face. Um, and uh, and I thought it was pretty cool that that Nick Sandman actually authored a um, an op-ed. And I found it. It was in Newsweek. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up here. And we're going to read some, some portions of it. And it was from January 18th, uh, so only a few weeks ago. And time marches on, folks. He is about to graduate from college. He's he's moved on with his life. He's been fighting the uh, the lawfare and litigation here for for the defamation that he suffered from multiple news and media outlets, and even going after some of the personal people. But this uh, op-ed, I think, is pretty pretty good on him. He reflects on his actual experience that day, which I'd never heard. I mean, it just you sort of see the video and what transpired, but everything that led up to that and what was going on in his head, you wouldn't know. I mean, he has to kind of paint the picture for you. And this is a young man. He's in high school not not an adult and he's being approached by adults out there some speaking pretty vitriolically in his ears as we'll, we'll find out and how do you cope with that you know how do you just not completely melt to the, the pressure of the situation so this uh this op-ed is from nicholas sandman in newsweek i was the covington catholic student i refused to capitulate and if you re read through it he, nicholas says i remember a lot of things about that day at the start, my friends from Covington Catholic High School and I were strolling around close to the Washington Monument when a middle-aged lady jogging past us yelled at us, quote, I hope you never get a girl pregnant. So that was in regard to knowing that they were participating in the March for Life. And after that, we went to the White House, and I remember seeing people protesting about all sorts of things, not just the March for Life. It was a circus. There's somebody on every corner and a million things being protested at any given time in D.C., I was alone and worrying about missing the bus home, which was leaving at 5 p.m. from the Lincoln Memorial. My phone had died. I sprinted to the Lincoln Memorial in a panic, but I got there with time to spare. And this is when we get to the actual incident as it happens. I noticed the black Hebrew Israelites were starting to insult the students. I found out later that with our school was an African-American freshman aged about 13 who the black Hebrew Israelites called an Uncle Tom another name so they were trying to provoke one of his classmates and uh and they the, the 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 kids sort of rallied to his defense so the teachers told us not to respond but instead they started to do the school chants to sort of drown out the the critiques coming from the black his uh, hebrew israelites and it worked how do you even respond to that we threw them off and it was perfect but it's at this point that a gentleman named Nathan Phillips gets the wild idea that the situation is going to descend into a fight between a mob of white kids and a small group of African-Americans. We'll pause it right there. Gary, do you remember this story? I do. Um, I, I'm not sure why. I know it was big, but I, I feel like I followed this one pretty closely. I think because it was another one of these where it was like very clear what was happening here, like. 
this Nathan Phillips guy. He's getting he's getting up in the kid's face to intimidate him. These kids did the right thing. They're standing up for their fellow classmate who's being called a racist by other black people, which like calling him an Uncle Tom, you know, deriding him that that's what they're doing. They're calling him a racist. And these are kids. These are kids. And it's adults who are doing these things to children. And, I, you know, I don't care if they're, you know, they're 50. How old was Nick Salmon when this went down? Uh, he probably would have been, I don't know, 15, something I like think that. that. That sounds about right to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's not like these are, like, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Like, they're they're in high school, you know? And now you have adults who are so, their minds are so mentally warped that they think they hold the moral high ground to intimidate them and call them names and get up in their face. Like, I remember even how the media took this stare-off confrontation between Phillips and Sandman and were like, look at this, you know, this, this snotty little teenage kid, like, with his defiant look towards his elder. And it's like, all of y'all are just twisted. You're all evil and wrong and twisting this in a direction that it, that it wasn't going down. Like, um, Phillips is the one who got up in Sandman's face and not the other way around. And it's like, you're the adult dude. So be the adult. But he, he wasn't. They, I think I remember one of the media people saying that, that, uh, Nick Sandman had one of the most punchable faces. That was the, the comment that was made. I remember that just, too. Yeah. You think, man, talk about punching down as opposed to mm -hmm. punching up. Like I, right now, I'm, and we're not, we're about half the age of what Nathan Phillips was. Um, can you ever envision yourself trying to pick a fight with a 15 year old kid? I can't, I, I, I don't know. What's the world that's psychotic. And, yeah, it is. And like, even if you're okay for me, it's like, all right, if you're 15 and on the polar opposite of the political spectrum than me, like, I'm not going to engage with you at all. Cause I know I'm not going to change your mind. So but then to take it a step further and to try to intimidate you and now to be like, oh, you got a punchable face like about a child. Like and like if you if the roles were reversed, if Nick Sandman wasn't, you know, like a Trump supporter wearing a mega hat like th this, the whole narrative would have been so different. And people people always act like, oh, there's no double standard. Yeah, the double standard is massive. All right, so uh, this is going to be a reveal for the AMRAD audience here, and I, I, I sort of feel like a, that our circle of suspendables, we have tentacles that touch on everything. <laughs> it just does. I have a connection to Nathan Phillips. Wouldn't you know it? So I tracked on this story, and I tracked on the story because it was in the mainstream media, but also when I heard that name, I thought, surely it can't. Surely not. And the reason that it uh, tickled my brain so much was because the last name Phillips, that surname, was very common on the Omaha Nation Indian tribe, which was one of the three tribes that I investigated as a uh, Indian country agent for the FBI. In my post in Sioux City, Iowa, I investigated the Omaha tribe, the Winnebago tribe, and the Santee Sioux tribe in Nebraska. And wouldn't you know it, as it came out, Nathan Phillips was a member of the Omaha tribe. And I'd never interacted with him. I'd been in Omaha for a number of years. I knew a lot of people, a lot of prominent people. And I knew the surname Phillips, but I'd never come across Nathan. And I certainly didn't know everyone out there. But I dutifully responded out to the reservation and just furthering my own regular duties. But I had conversations with the, the police, the tribal police out there who knew everybody.
small town. They knew where everybody lived. They knew all the inter interfamily dynamics and everything. And uh, they were just regular guys too. They were not following the news. There's like the regular, regular person. And I said, you guys know who this Nathan Phillips is? And they're like, no, no, I don't know him. And then one person, uh, one of the officers was like, yeah, he doesn't live here. He, he's like an activist. He's not from, he, he's not from here anymore. He left like a long time ago. I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. And then as things sort of to be started to be revealed by the media and how they had just jumped the gun in the story. And they were saying that he was a tribal elder from the Omaha tribe and he was a military veteran. Well, he wasn't a tribal elder because that's actually a thing like that. You're a member of the government. If you're a tribal elder, like they, do you actually have institutional power? He was just an elderly guy. And <laughs> again, the, the media racist just assumes that, well, that's that's obviously what that means, right? It's yeah. a tribal elder. Uh, he's just elderly. No, that's not what it means. It's like saying that Joe Biden is is the president because he's the elected president. You, you're not just the president because you happen to fit a certain age. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, unlike what I guess most octogenarians running things, I guess we could all assume that they're all just all senators or congressmen at this point. And then the veteran status came out. And I know this sort of touches on you, Garrett. This is uh this is gets to you another one of your angry places. It sure he does. was <laughs> he was a member of the Nebraska National Guard. And I believe if memory serves, he was a refrigerator mechanic for the Nebraska National Guard. <laughs> Ready, set, go, Garrett. <laughs> uh I'm I'm laughing so I don't get too angry. This is my favorite thing about about the veteran community. The the guys and gals who vet the hardest are are this guy. It's I was in the National Guard for 3 years. Oh, and I was a refrigerator mechanic. But dang, bro, I'm a vet. I'm so legit. I'm I'm a vet. I've been a vet for many, many years. I'm going to claim my vet status to my tribe. I'm going to claim my vet status on Veterans Day so I can get a free waffle at, at, at Denny's. I'm going to do it all day, every day. I'm going to wear the hat that says Vietnam era veteran to, so people can think that I like went to Vietnam even though I did That's didn't. right. He was a Vietnam era veteran. That's a great pull. That's what they said about him. He was in the National Guard during the time of the Vietnam War. Yeah, and it's like you're the fakest vet of all time, dude. Like you I'm sorry, you just are. Like and maybe this is prideful of me. I don't know. I, I will say like in the infantry, like infantry dudes are proud about being in the infantry because it's like we actually go and fight and we did. Like, that's what I did two years of my life, Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, it's not like we were fighting, like, you know, it wasn't like Normandy, like D-Day every single day, like not even close. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't a refrigerator mechanic. Like we need refrigerator mechanics because armies need food and sometimes that food needs to be cold or frozen. So like, I'm not saying we don't need them. But don't go vet so hard, bro. Like you just, just don't. Please stop. I love how you made that a verb. I mean, I wish I was a veteran so I could use that as a verb, <laughs> like and, and unashamedly, because I really want to. Yeah. That is a problem that we're all back to our our ex girlfriend, right? That is a problem that plagues the FBI. Uh -huh. I feel out of place being offended by it because I was never a, a, in the armed services. But it's very clear to me that so clear, people yeah. who vet really hard were not the door kickers. And yeah. it's, it's something it's like nine out of ten, maybe more people actually in the military are not door kickers, right? They're all essentially yeah. support, support staff yeah. for you. Yep. 
Yeah, the vast majority are support in the in the army. And when I was in, they told us that it was one out of every twelve were infantry. Now, yeah, there are other MOSs that are considered combat arms. Uh, we don't need to get in the weeds of that, but one out of every twelve for an for an infantry guy, like to you, it's like every you know, there's eleven other soldiers who are support. They're supporting the frontline mission. And like you, you do need all that stuff. You need logisticians, you need supply dudes, you need people who are packing and shipping ammo and uniforms and, and you need medical people. Like, yeah, you need all of that to have a functioning army. Don't get me wrong. But when you're, you know, a supply clerk or you're the general's driver or you're a refrigerator mechanic, like you really don't need to vet that hard, dude. But they do it because, because like civilians, they don't know if, if I come up to you and tell you I'm a veteran, you think I'm I was on Black Hawk Down. Like that just is most common. It's a virtue for... signal. It's a virtue mm -hmm. signal. It's the same as the people that are saying that they're offended by the chief white calf emblem on the Redskins helmet. It's I'm virtuous because yeah. I did this. And I always respected uh, one of the guys that worked with in the bureau who was army infantry as well. And I I just always say, you know, I'm on uh veterans day, like, hey man. I appreciate it. And he just said, don't thank me. I volunteered and I got paid. <laughs> and I always yeah. really respected that. Yeah. I, I always say, don't thank me. Thank my recruiter. Like, yes, yeah, I, 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 I signed up for it. I wanted to do it. I, you know, I, today I tell people I would never recommend anybody joining the military. And honestly, I've been saying that since I got out in 2000, what year did I get out? 2012, I think. Jeez. Been a while. Um, but I've been saying that since then, and it's only gotten worse. I would never recommend it. I'm I'm grateful I got to do it. I, I truly am. It's it has made me who I am today. Uh, one of the most defining things in my in my experience is the time I spent in the army, especially my deployments. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but I signed up for it. And yeah, they did it. I I did get paid. Like yeah, enlisted guys don't get paid great, but I still got paid. You know, um, but but yeah, it's. I used to never know what to say. Like people would be like, Oh, thank you. I'd be like, uh, you're welcome. I, I don't know. So now <laughs> I'd say, don't thank me. Thank my recruiter. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate. All right. Let's, uh, let's focus back on, uh, Mr. Salmon's, uh, op-ed here. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on it because he actually talks about how it, uh, brings it into how this stuff is going on uh, as what happened with this young man with the Kansas city uniform or the, the headdress and all that. So we'll pull this back up. And again, this is, uh, in Newsweek, Nicholas Sandman saying, uh, I was the Covington Catholic student. I refuse to capitulate is the name of his op-ed. If you want to find it there, it's at Newsweek. He writes, uh, Nathan Phillips decides to intercede. So he walks over. I'm standing on a set of stairs on a patch of ice. There are people all around me and I can't really move because I don't want to slip. I see him moving through the crowd with his drum and I'm confused about what's going on. Everyone was bewildered and nobody really knew the gravity of what was going on. That's the thing. People usually perceive my incident as a political issue, but it's not. Obviously, I was wearing the red hat, so that added a political shade to the to it. Really, though, it's a case about me and journalism not done correctly. It doesn't matter what your political views are. Everybody can be on the same page that what happened to me was wrong. And I've talked to a lot of people who don't believe anything I believe, but said they think I got screwed on this one. That's always been reassuring. You can have made the argument that since me, the same thing is still happening to other people, such as Kyle Rittenhouse and some other lesser known cases. The media hasn't changed. It's the same as before, probably worse, but definitely not better. These days, I'm in the last semester of my senior year at college. 
I'm studying politics, philosophy, and economics. I've also been working in politics, which is just as important to me. My end goal is to help people by bringing about change in their lives. And I can do that by working with elected representatives. That's the way he closes it out uh, and sort of gives a, his, an update on where he is at in his life because time marches on. He's about to graduate college. And I think he's really right. And I, until he mentioned Kyle Rittenhouse, it's like, man, that wasn't that long ago either. I and know. that guy wound up, he almost lost his freedom over that. Right. Yep. And I mean, there still are people, which is what I love, man. I love this about the left. How many times have you heard Donald Trump's been indicted 93 times, so he's a criminal? And then those same people will say Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer, even though he has been exonerated 100% by a jury of his peers. And it's like the double standard always. It's always a double standard. And the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, that's another one kind of close to home for me, just down in Kenosha. That's not that far from here. And I, guys from my former police department, they were going down there every night to help every single night that summer and um and it was like that the surrounding i don't know i mean waukesha county is not super close to kenosha county but close enough i guess so at least that radius law enforcement from the sheriff's offices and from police departments were sending help every day and as soon as i saw the kyle rittenhouse video i was like that that, that looks like self-defense to me and then, you know, fast forward a few years, finally, I, we had a, we had that trial going on at the office. Like we were, we were, you know, all paying attention and we had like a, um, not a bet. Cause like we didn't, nobody wagered anything, but it was just like a, like a gentleman's bet. And we were like, okay, is he going to get acquitted? How long is the jury going to take to deliberate that type of thing? I was the most cynical. I was like one hour or less guilty. And so like when they came back and were, cause I was like, there's no way this jury doesn't cave to the pressure. But they didn't. And it was one of those rare, rare times where I, I was like, oh, my hope in humanity is a little bit restored. But then you just hop on Twitter or you just follow Kyle Rittenhouse and you see that the hope in humanity, the, the limitations on it being restored is very, very tiny because of the hate that follow, follows him around still. When it's like, like, could he have made better decisions that day? Yeah, probably. But that, that doesn't mean he doesn't get to defend himself when somebody's attacking him with a skateboard. Yes. And the a prosecutor who then flagged the entire jury with the AR <laughs> to, to make a point, he just points out a rifle at the, at those jurors, I think is uh, that guy should probably be disbarred. Yeah. Um, and maybe charged, maybe, maybe sued because, um, you know, I, I felt, I felt, my safety was in jeopardy when I saw that picture. So do I, do I have a standing there? Uh, and, and you don't think about that Kyle Rittenhouse for the rest of his life, you know, what he puts a job application in Yeah, that you can say, Oh, we, that we didn't take that into consideration. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Nick, yeah. Nicholas Sandman, at least for, for his standpoint, uh, he won lawsuits. He's had some of them tossed out. He's still fighting other ones. I think they're, they're even appealing to the Supreme court on some of them for the, the personal attacks. But he settled Good. with Washington Post and with NBC. And uh, I think the big ones is CNN. I don't know how much he got from CNN. It's always undisclosed, yep. which is sort of a bummer. I, I would love to know the figure. It's got to be in the nine figures at least. It's got to be. Yeah. And it should be. It should be. It, it's just like with Deadspin and the nine-year-old. Like, yeah, the stories are a little bit different. But at their at their root, they're the same. It's just this vitriolic hate for someone who isn't you, someone who doesn't tow your ideological line. And 
like none of us should be that way. We shouldn't hate our fellow man. We should love our fellow man no matter what. And I actually, I wasn't, I didn't know when I'd get this in, but I'm going to put it in here because I think, I think it, it, it resonates most for me. And this verse or set of verses is really a gospel centric verse. And there's one part in here that I'll touch on after I read it. It's, it's Romans 10, uh, nine through 13. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved for with the heart. One believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it's verse 12 that I really, that is really why I pulled this verse today. I mean, the whole thing is important. I hope, I hope everybody listening does reflect on it. But verse 12 says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all. And that is a true way for all of us to live. No distinction between me because I'm white and you because, you know, you're Italian or black or or Mexican or Colombian or whatever, like those things, it doesn't matter. And the left and Satan, they're using these things to divide us intentionally. And, you know, whether it's, it's the, the, the Karen who's, who's interfering on behalf of another and getting offended on their behalf, that's as wrong as, as somebody who actually does hate somebody for their, their skin color. Like there's no distinction. We are all one one race, the human race, and we all have one saving father and that that's God and through his son, Jesus Christ. And it really is that simple. It boils down to that very simple, these very simple truths. And for, for anybody to say, oh, well, you talking about being colorblind or all of us being one race, you're, that means you're a racist. Like it doesn't get much more satanic than that. That is the chief concern that we've had that we've been talking about. And that's why we've been hammering the diversity, equity, and inclusion and the, the woke mind virus that has seeped into the American psyche for the last several episodes. I think we've we've covered it from multiple angles and and I think the serendipitously the the show title today because we were talking about the the Chiefs football team and we called it Chief Concern. But I think our that's our chief concern is we've lost the focus on w what is really important and everybody's focusing on the 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 trees and not the forest we have a lot of issues and it's uh certainly not painting your face red and black or you know the, the the chief concern should be that there are nefarious forces that are going after kids and willing to throw them into moloch to further a political narrative here uh, and, and we're hoping to just bring attention to that and do it in a way that is entertaining and enlightening because the, the historical context for things this is not a recent thing they and it's been going on for a number of years it's just getting ramped up into hyperdrive more and more as we close it out here today want to make sure we thank as always our regular kelly d you're you're just so generous thank you very much kelly d the rumble rant my husband hasn't missed his credit card yet just kidding appreciate you both thank and we appreciate you so much uh that just reminds me of uh there was a uh a wedding that I went to where they had arranged it for when they walked the bride down the aisle, the the father, she turned to him and gave him his credit card. And then she turned to the 
would-be husband and he gave her his credit card. That's how they orchestrated it. I just have that in my mind from that rebel rant from Kelly D. But thank you all. And thank you all for joining us today on the American Radicals podcast. Uh, this has been fun. It's been a fun discussion. Wanted to remind you all, you got one week, guys. Get your copy of Animal Farm and get read up. You don't have to read the whole book. We're going to do a little bit of time. Read maybe the first couple of chapters. Uh, I haven't started it myself. I remember it being a pretty easy read, so we might yeah. do one or two chapters. We don't want it to take like 12 months to, to cover <laughs> on, on that. We can move on to, to other things. Uh, I will do my reading and then give you an update on what to expect. I'm thinking what chapter one and chapter two, I think sounds pretty good to you, Garrett, yeah. for, for next yeah, Saturday. For sure. That'll be the assignment. That's your homework for the week. You have uh, have seven days to get that ready. And then uh, you have one day to get uh, your guacamole ready for a Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. And you will have that's cultural appropriation, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> three days to get ready for the next episode of the American Radicals podcast, which will come live to you next Tuesday, Tuesday noontime on Rumble, um, rumble.com slash amradpod. Until then, we will see you next time, guys. And thanks for joining us. been listening to the voice of the sustainables on the american radicals podcast follow us on rubble.com slash am rad pod <laughs> <laughs>